We have a really good team and really good players. And my staff and I will work tirelessly pushing towards a common goal of bringing the Stanley Cup to New York. Welcome to episode 113 of the New Ice City Podcast. I'm your host, Vincent Mercagliano of the USA Today Network, and you just heard New York Rangers coach Peter LaViolette set the tone for his new team by talking about a Stanley Cup, not the playoffs, not trying to win, not trying to improve the team. He came right out and said that they want to win and they want to pursue a Stanley Cup right off the bat, right in his opening remarks within the first 30 seconds of his opening remarks on Tuesday. So we're going to dive into what we heard from LaViolette in his introduction as the new coach of the Rangers. And you also just heard our new permanent intro track from James McCaffrey, who won the fan vote that's been going on in the last handful of days by the slimmest of margins. We had well over a thousand votes cast in this poll that helped determine which was going to be the new intro track. And we decided we would kind of cut it off right around the time that the Laviolette press conference started. I checked five minutes before he came out to the podium And James had, at that point, a 10-vote lead, only 10 votes separating him from the second-place finisher, who was James Malonick. Or, I'm sorry, not James, Jason Malonick, who also gave it a really valiant run. So definitely big credit to Jason as well. Came really, really close. Now, full disclaimer, as I told you guys on the episode when we first heard James's intro track, he's married to my cousin. But I have to promise you guys, there was no collusion here. There was no influencing. I did not vote myself. Now, I do know that I have some family members who listen to the podcast from time to time. I wouldn't be surprised if they got behind James. But from my perspective, this is completely objective, unbiased. I did nothing to try to influence the vote at all. I just put it out there and let you guys have at it. And this is where we landed. I think James did an awesome job, but I think a lot of people did a really, really good job. There were honestly, in my opinion, I won't name exactly who, but there were probably seven or eight of the tracks that were submitted that I would have been really, really happy keeping for the long run. So thank you again to everybody who submitted. But of course, big congratulations goes out to James for winning the vote and now being what will be our intro track for the foreseeable future. You never know. We might change it somewhere down the line, but I don't plan on doing that anytime soon. And we're going to roll with James McCaffrey for the time being. Now, let's get into the big day of Rangers news. And of course, that would be LaViolette being introduced at the MSG Training Center in Tarrytown this morning. Now, I'm trying to fight through this. You guys might hear it in my voice. Little baby was sick last week. I don't know if I'd classify myself as sick, but definitely feeling like my throat has been scratchy and I'm needing to take a lot of sips of water to kind of keep myself from losing my voice. So if I pause for a second, excuse me, it's because I'm taking a sip of water, but we're going to try to power through this. I'm also leaving for my bachelor party 
on Wednesday morning. So we definitely have to try our best to fight through this one, no doubt about it. But I was thankfully able to make it to the Laviolette press conference on Tuesday morning. He was introduced by team president Chris Drury. You know, I think I've told you guys this before. It's hard to really take too much away from these types of events. Actions, in my opinion, speak louder than words in all walks of life, and that includes coaching and sports. So the true test is going to be what we see from LaViolette in the coming months, in the coming season, much more so than anything that he could say at a press conference like this. I'm sure he would probably agree with that sentiment. But as far as a press conference goes, I did think it was pretty impressive. I did think that he clearly had some points that he wanted to emphasize. I think there was a strategy behind what he was trying to say and the message that he was trying to get across in these first public remarks as the Rangers coach. Had a little fun as well. He came out and joked about how his wife told him, you never smile, you have to make sure you smile up there. And he gave us all a big sort of forced smile in the moment. He joked about his kids searching on eBay to find the number 39 LaViolette jersey from his one season with the Rangers. The guy only played 12 NHL games in his career. He spent the other 11 seasons of his hockey playing career as a minor leaguer, but he did have a short little cup of coffee in the NHL for the 1988-1989 season. And it so happened he was with the Rangers. He was a seventh defenseman on that team, appeared in 12 games. So he had a little fun at his own expense and said that his kids were looking on eBay, trying to find the jersey, and they couldn't hunt it down. And he said, oh, well, that's probably because I'm so popular now because I'm the Rangers coach. And then, of course, After he told that story, Chris Drury surprised him by bringing out what I'm sure was a customized recent jersey with the number 39 on it. I doubt it was one from his playing days, but so they had a little laugh at that. He also joked about running into Adam Fox in the hallway before the press conference and how that was pretty cool, making it sound like he was a little starstruck by meeting the former Norris Trophy winner. So there were some lighter moments in there, showed a little personality for sure, but As you heard right at the beginning of the podcast, I was struck a bit by the way that he not only embraced the pressure and the expectations head on, but came right out and stated the goal. Obviously, it was a different situation when Gerard Gallant took over a couple years ago, but he wasn't the type of guy to come right out and talk about winning a Stanley Cup or really set the bar super high, at least publicly in that way. I think him and maybe some other coaches, especially almost sort of protecting themselves in a way, don't want to come out and say, our mission here is to win the Stanley Cup. Otherwise, it's a failure. And that's essentially what LaViolette was getting at. I mean, right off the bat, he said, we're here to pursue a Stanley Cup. He mentioned Stanley Cups by my account at least four times during the press conference. Those were all unprompted. Nobody came out and said, hey, is this a failure if you don't win a championship? Or do you think that this team is capable of winning a Stanley Cup? There were no softball questions like that thrown up. He came out and said it on his own and clearly set the expectations that that's what he was brought here to do. The Rangers were a playoff team the last two seasons under Gallant, so it's not exactly a step forward if he gets them back to the playoffs. For it to be considered a step forward, for it to be considered a success while he's here, 
the Rangers probably need to win a championship. And I, it sounded to me like he was sort of taking that head on, not shying away from it. This is a guy who has coached at five other teams. This will be his sixth NHL coaching job. I don't think he's necessarily scared of being fired. I don't think he's scared of any financial repercussions at this point in his life or in his career. He's made plenty of money. He's been around the block. He's been with plenty of teams. I think that there was a certain ease. He seemed relaxed talking about the reason that he was brought here. And the reason that he was brought here is to end the Stanley Cup drought for this franchise. So that was something that right off the bat I took note of. I also thought that he wasn't shy about challenging his own team. And there was a few instances of that that we're going to get to throughout this podcast. But he didn't come out and call his team soft. I'm not going to go that far. But he definitely came out and said, hey, we have a lot of skill, but there are other elements that we need to get better at if we're going to become a team that can really seriously contend for a championship. So we're going to talk about that throughout this episode. One of the things that I want to do, as you've heard us do in the past, when we have these big press conferences or introductions or there's somebody new and pivotal coming into the franchise, whether it was Chris Drury when he took over as team president or previous head coaching hires or big free agent signings, that sort of a thing. I want to play clips from this press conference and then sort of react to them. Some of the things that I thought were most interesting, some of my big takeaways from our conversation today with LaViolette and discuss some of my own impressions. And where I want to start is with a question that I asked, one in which I tried to get at the heart of not only how he's going to operate as the head coach for the Rangers, but also what specifically is he going to do and is he going to focus on to help this team accomplish that goal of winning a Stanley Cup. So we'll start off with this question and answer, and then I'll be back in a moment to discuss what I made of it. This is a team that's had success the last couple of years. Yeah. in the playoffs. They had a nice run two years ago. Yeah. For them to take the next step, obviously that's the goal you touched on wanting to win a Stanley Cup. You know, How do you envision helping this group get there? Like, what do you see from this group that they do well, and what do you see that they need to do better to help them take that step? Yeah. So there's, um, you know, it's, I, 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 grew, I grew up in Massachusetts. My mom and dad are blue-collar people. They work really hard. And um, I think that when you're around that, um, you know, it becomes generational. If you're, if you're observant of it every day on what it takes to be a hard-working person, um, I think that there's a lot of skill and a lot of talent on this team, from, from the goaltender to the back end to the forwards. And we definitely need to embrace that because you find that the teams that go deep into the playoffs and win championships, they're, they're, they're loaded with skill. And so that has to be a part of it. I'm not talking about what I'm about to say is not trying to take away from that in any manner. But when you watch the playoff games right now, the final four and the final two, it's just a reminder that the... The compete inside the game is what makes teams great. It makes it drives them to success. And so I don't think that uh, that's something that you, you can just ask for. I think that you have to practice that on a daily basis. It has to become habit. It has to become your identity, part of the DNA of who you are. And it has to start in training camp, and it has to be held to a level of accountability. 
And when you have that and you have the skill, that's how teams push on and they compete for Stanley Cups, win Stanley Cups, and become really good hockey teams. All right, there you have it. I really liked the response there in the sense that it it felt really honest to me. You heard him set it up a little bit, carefully choose his words by saying, listen, the skill that we have is great. We need to embrace that, and they absolutely do need to embrace that. He's not going to turn Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad and Adam Fox into a bunch of grinders. And I think it's important that he recognizes that. Now, he said it. We'll see how it plays out on the ice, in practice, in games, etc. as we move forward. But he acknowledged, listen, there's a lot of talent here. There's scoring upside. There's guys that you feel like can pile up points. There's skill. There's all those things that you need to really become a special team. But there was a but. And he prefaced it by saying, I don't want to take anything away from them or I want to, you know, make sure that I sort of say all these good things before I come in with the hard truth. And the hard truth in his eyes, and I think in the eyes of many, is that the Rangers need to have a little more dog in them. The Rangers need to become, he talked about battling and being more competitive and being a team that, as we've heard Chris Jury talk about in the past, is a hard team to play against. I like this quote from LaViolette. The compete inside the game is what makes teams great. And I do believe that there's a strong element of truth to that. You need the skill. You're not going to become a championship team if you don't have some special talents, some guys that can score and put up points and offensively create in a way that makes your team dynamic. But at the same time, those teams that can hound you and forecheck and just play at a pace and have a work rate that challenges the other team, that makes the other team earn every inch of ice, that's the winning combination. That's the winning formula. Now, you hope that with some of the star level players that the Rangers have that They have the skill side of it taken care of. There's going to be questions moving forward. We've talked a lot about the five-on-five play and how that needs to improve. And that is going to be a deeper conversation that I certainly plan to have with LaViolette as we move forward. You know, you guys might not fully realize this watching from afar, but I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. These press conferences are not necessarily the, the setting or the forum where you're going to be able to really dive deep into very specific issues. That one question that you heard me ask was the only question that I got to ask. The press conference room was filled. There's a million people with their hands up. They only let the thing go 20 minutes. And by the time everybody asks one question, it's pretty much over. So I only got to ask one question. So some of these more analytical topics, some of these deeper topics, some of these more specific topics that we want to address, whether it be five-on-five play, in-game adjustment, how he's going to handle specific players, all those kind of things. That's stuff that we'll have plenty of time to get into. Once training camp starts, I'm going to be talking to LaViolette every single day. So trust me, we're going to go more in-depth on a lot of this stuff soon. But the question that I asked was trying to take things from a wide lens but get him to identify and nail down where does this team need to be better? 
how are you going to help them take this next step? How are you going to help them become a better team, become a championship team? And what are your points of emphasis going to be? And, and I think he did a pretty good job of laying it out there. He talked a lot about his upbringing, the work ethic that was instilled in him at a young age, the work ethic that I think we've seen him try to instill in previous teams that he's coached. Remember, this guy's taken three different teams to the Stanley Cup Finals, and I would say each of those teams had a reputation for working really hard. Maybe not the most star-studded groups, but a group that would make you earn everything you got on the ice, and he wants the Rangers to have more of that in them, more of that dog in them. And I think that that was a message that he delivered pretty well in this setting. And listen, we can go back and we can look at Gerard Gallant and he talked about similar things. I vividly remember at his opening press conference, he said he wanted the Rangers to be the hardest working team in the league. So it's one thing to say it. How do you make the Rangers do it? Part of this is going to fall on Chris Drury. Because we can look at the personnel on this roster right now and say they might not fully be able to make this type of hardworking, in-your-face system that LaViolette talks about work. There's definitely a need to infuse this roster with more of those hustle elements, more of those speed elements, more of the defensive and forechecking elements that we've talked about already, and I'm sure we're going to talk about in the coming weeks as we approach free agency. But where I think the Rangers are hoping there's a difference is this. LaViolette, I wish I had a better term for this, but the only thing that's coming to mind right now is I think he is going to be more of a hard ass about it than Gallant was. Gallant would say these things and he would have moments in the media where he really laid into his team. But I think behind closed doors, there wasn't a whole lot of pushing. I certainly think that the practices were never really that intense. They were typically pretty short. They typically did the same things every single day. In talking to some people around the league, LaViolette is known for running pretty difficult practices. And he spoke about that in that clip that I just played. And he also spoke about it at other points during the press conference where this mindset of being a team that works hard and competes hard and battles hard and all those type of things, that's something that he is going to try to build in this team. He said it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen just from saying it. So I think he laid the groundwork with this press conference. It also sounds like he's already reached out to and made contact with certain players, and he said he intends to continue doing that over the summer. I can tell you that I know when it came to Gerard Gallant, a lot of the players on the team, he didn't speak to for the first time until they got to camp before his first season. So LaViolette already seems to be trying behind closed doors to reach out to guys and I think get this message across privately as well as getting it across publicly. But then he talked about it starting at training camp too. And I think we're going to see him push this team harder than they were pushed previously when it comes to training camp, when it comes to practices, when it comes to video sessions or in the locker room or private meetings or whatever it might be. He is, I think, going to be a little more of a hard ass, a little more of a disciplinarian, a little more of a guy 
who challenges players and pushes players to try to get more out of them that way. Now, we're going to see how they respond to that. We talked about this on last week's episode. There are guys on this roster who, in my opinion, are a little more introverted, a little more thoughtful, a little more sort of soft-spoken. And I don't know how having a guy who's really going to lean into them in the way that it seems like Laviolette will is going to play with them. But it's going to test them. It's going to challenge them. And the hope is that some of them will respond to that. And I do think that some will. And I do think there are also some players on this team who want to be pushed more. I think there are some players on this team who thought things got a little too lackadaisical when Gallant was here. And it seems like Laviolette's approach is going to be different in that regard. So while some of the principles, at least as as far as what they say, are similar, wanting to be a hardworking team, wanting to battle and all that type of stuff. I mean, I can recall endless occasions where Gallant would talk about battling harder and competing harder. So some of the rhetoric is similar, but how do you enact it? How do you put those words into action? That is going to be the challenge for LaViolette moving forward. And that's where I think his approach may differ from Gallant. But I definitely think when you heard that answer, he made it crystal clear that moving forward for the Rangers to become a team that can legitimately compete for a Stanley Cup, it's going to be about not only harnessing the skill, but becoming a team that is willing to outwork you. Become a team that is willing to do all the little things that it takes to win and become a team that's going to implement the type of system that LaViolette wants them to play with. And that's going to lead us right into this next clip. LaViolette was asked specifically about what does your system look like? What are the principles? What are the core values of the way that you would like your team to play? And you're going to hear his answer right now. For me, it's always been a little bit more of an aggressive approach. I, I think that you have to play good defense, and you, you see that um, for teams that win Stanley Cups. Defense is always a, a priority, and you have to be able to play good um, in your defensive zone and, and good defense. But for me, it's about the attack. It's about pressuring. It's about puck pursuit. It's about um, the battle level, the compete level, the grit. It's that grind in the game that makes teams great. So, as I mentioned earlier, once we get into camp, we'll we'll definitely try to nail down some more specifics about the system. And in my mind, specifically, whether we're talking about five on five or power play or penalty kill, what are the types of things that he's going to stress? How does he want the Rangers to play in all of these different situations? But what you heard right there was a general overview of what he's going to demand from this group. And it's relates back to what we heard in that first clip. He is going to want the Rangers to be a puck pursuit pressure team. He is going to want to be an aggressive forecheck. He's going to want them to put a lot of pressure on opponents, force them into mistakes. And as we touched on last week, and as I've written about a few times now, and I'm also planning, by the way, to have a a much deeper dive story on LaViolette, the history behind the man, the history behind the coach, and what to expect from him from a system standpoint coming once I get back from my trip. So that's a a bigger picture story that I'm hopefully working on and going to get to you guys in the next few weeks. 
But what we've heard so far and what I've heard from talking to people and what we spoke about on last week's episode is that he wants a team that's going to force the opponent into mistakes and create rush opportunities for the Rangers. He's going to want them to be a team that plays at a fast pace and capitalizes on mistakes. And in order to do that, you've got to be a pesky, energetic, in-your-face type of team, and that's what he's going to demand from them. Again, Gallant had a lot of similar principles in his system, but it seemed like it was too touchy. It was too on and off when it came to the Rangers, especially when it came to their forecheck. So we'll see if Laviolette can get them to do that more consistently. But I think some of the differences in the system are with Laviolette, it sounds like you're going to see less dumping and chasing and puck retrieval and trying to wear teams down that way. I think you're going to see them try to string more passes together. The hope is that they're going to become a better team when it comes to some of the zone exit issues that we saw last season with the Rangers. And I think he's going to especially encourage young guys like Adam Fox and Keandre Miller on the blue line to find those outlet passes or carry the puck up the ice to activate into the offensive zone and help the Rangers play a more aggressive style in that regard as well. And I think it's similar to what we've seen with a lot of the successful teams in the league in the last few years. They're all predicated on a strong forecheck. They're all predicated on making life difficult on their opponents, forcing their opponents into mistakes, and just generally being annoying to play against, being a team where you feel like you always have someone breathing down your neck. And that certainly sounds like the system that LaViolette is going to want the Rangers to play while he's here. Now, he was also asked about, will you adapt based on your personnel? Are there going to be situations where you feel like, okay, I want my system to look this specific way, but you're willing to adjust or willing to make changes if it's not working or if the opponent poses a specific problem or if you just feel like the players that you have aren't particularly well suited to playing that kind of a style. He sort of said yes and no. He said he does believe that there are going to be times when he needs to adapt and adjust and that he's open-minded to doing that. But he also made it very clear that he thinks that the principles of this system are principles that any player can embrace. It's just a matter of getting them to buy in and getting them to embrace it and getting them to actually do it. So that gets back to the challenge here. He's going to talk about wanting the Rangers to pursue the puck and pressure the puck and play that style. But can he get this team to do it efficiently and effectively? So that bears watching, and that's certainly going to be something that we have to keep an eye on moving forward. It sounds good. It sounds ideally like the way you'd love to see pretty much any team play, but this is going to come down to him getting the Rangers to buy in, and it's also, as I touched on earlier, going to come down to Chris Drury making tweaks where he can with the very limited salary cap space that he has to add more players and infuse this lineup with guys who are capable of making this system succeed. I think that is an important element here as well. So we will see how it plays out, but I think 
we, at least from a broad standpoint, know what LaViolette wants from this group. And he spelled it out a bit in that last clip that you just heard. Now, the final clip that I play here is going to touch on what I know is a very hot topic among the fan base, and that is usage of young players and how he plans to help the likes of Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco develop. He was asked specifically about that, and I'm going to play his answer right here. Those young players do need an opportunity to grow. They have to be not given, but they have to be um, given the opportunity to um, be counted on more. And, and I think inside of a team, inside of um, the framework of a team, everybody wants to feel that responsibility. They want to feel valued with what they do. And um, you're talking about a couple of players who are coming off, I think, maybe their best years, and they're still really young players. And there's a growth that goes with that. You certainly would like to see them take the next step, more minutes, maybe a little higher up the lineup, maybe more power play time. And so with that, there has to be opportunity. And so um, there'll be, these conversations will take place. I certainly would like that. And um, that, those opportunities will be there for them to, to grab that ice time and, and to push. Well, it sounds pretty good. I think a lot of fans probably liked what they heard there from La Violette, of course, as we've said with all of these quotes, the true test will be in how we actually see it play out once the games begin. What will the minutes look like for these players? But more importantly, what will the situational usage look like for these young players? Will we see Kako and Lafreniere, maybe even Heedle, get more time in the top six? Will we see them get some power play time? LaViolette brought those things up. It certainly sounds like it's something that's on his mind and something that will be strongly considered, but time will tell. It's certainly something that we will be monitoring, and a big part of it is going to be on the coach to decide where these guys fit best. I personally am very curious to see if he keeps the kid line together or does he separate them? I think he's going to end up breaking them up. I think Gallant got to this point where he really liked the spark and the energy that those kids seemed to give the Rangers, not only during that playoff run a year ago when they went all the way to the Eastern Conference Final and there was long stretches where that line was the Rangers' most effective line at five on five, but we also saw that at various points during this past regular season, but I do think he became over-reliant on it, and I do think that there was too much reluctance to really give those guys extended opportunities higher up in the lineup, especially Kako. I thought Kako had some stretches where he looked really good when he got that shot to play on the top line, especially when he was playing with Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad, but it always seemed to be fleeting. And I even got this impression in conversations that I had with Kako throughout the year that he really valued that opportunity. And you heard LaViolette touch on that, how much getting that responsibility means to these young players and sort of builds them up and props up their confidence. He seemed to acknowledge that in that statement that you just heard from him as well. And Kako talked about it. 
he felt good. He felt the best about his game when he was playing with those guys, and he felt like he was doing a lot of positive things and the type of things that should have earned him more trust and earned him a longer leash. And it always seemed to be a little puzzling to him and some of the other young players as well when those opportunities were sort of ripped out from underneath them. Given the current state of the roster, you have to believe that not only are guys like Kako and Lafreniere going to get moved up because they're at the stage in their career where it should be happening, but also by necessity. We've talked about the right wing depth chart. I know we talked about that in one of our mailbag questions last week. You look at that right now, it's Kako and nobody else. So Kako almost by default is the number one right winger on the team right now. And Lafreniere is a guy that you have to wonder, will he get a shot to play on that side or at least somewhere in the top six, maybe if somebody else shifts from left wing to right wing. That's obviously a question that we'll get to with LaViolette sometime in the near future. But right now, the Rangers need those guys to step up and get more out of them. And it's going to be very interesting to see how LaViolette sort of massages the situation and helps those guys grow while also balancing the win-now mandate that we know that he has. You don't want to see him get caught in that cycle that a lot of veteran coaches seem to get caught in, where they lean more on these veteran players that they feel like are a little more trustworthy, but there's not as much upside there. And then they end up sort of burying the younger guys. And the Rangers' recent track record of how they're handling some of these highly drafted, specifically forwards, because the defensemen and the goalies, they've had a lot more success developing if you look at their recent track record. But the forwards, whether we're going back and looking at Leas Anderson and Vitaly Kratzoff, who you could certainly make an argument, those were just bad picks in general. But also when you look at the way that they were used when they did get to the NHL, there were some head-scratching decisions in there. And then you look more recently at Lafreniere, at Kako, at Filipino, and then we know Brennan Offman and Will Cooley and others are on their way. So for LaViolette, it's going to be really critical to get the most out of these guys, not just for the future of the franchise, which is very important for the future of the franchise, don't get me wrong, but also for the present because of the state of the roster and because you can't expect Panarin and Zabanajad and those guys to do it alone. They clearly need more help. And the best way for the Rangers to get them more help is to prop up and develop and help these young guys blossom and become not only good complementary pieces, but good core pieces of this team. And so it sounds like LaViolette is very open-minded about the idea of giving these guys more responsibility. So you certainly have to feel encouraged by what you heard. And we'll see where it goes from here. But as far as what he said on day one, it sounded good. But there was actually a Twitter user. I don't have it in front of me right now. I'd like to give him credit. But there was a Twitter user who sent me a screenshot of my article with the takeaways from the first Gallant press conference. And there was a quote in there where Gallant said, we got to use these young kids more. I don't think it makes much sense to bury them on the fourth line. And I basically made it sound like his intentions were to do similar things to what LaViolette said he's going to do and move them up in the lineup and give them more responsibility and that sort of thing. And we saw how it played out. So time will tell if 
LaViolette's words ring true once we get into the season. Obviously, it didn't quite play out that way with Gallant. He didn't bury them on the fourth line, but he kind of buried them on the third line. And we'll see if LaViolette can squeeze more out of these guys and help them live up to that lofty draft status that they had and those high expectations that especially Kako and Lafreniere had when they came into the league. All right. With that, we are going to pivot and go to our final segment, which is going to be your Twitter questions. So I'm going to look through them now, pick out a few, and I'll be back in a few moments to answer those. Okay, let's dive right into it. And our first question this week comes from the Radio Spiel, who wrote, if the current roster stays constructed as is, one or two guys might have to play in that matchup line role you've mentioned. It's tough to identify right now what that line could look like, but do you have some ideas of internal candidates for a matchup line? So, I wrote about this earlier in the week, or actually last week when LaViolette was hired, that traditionally in most stops that he's been, he's preferred to have, whether you want to call it a matchup line, a shutdown line, a defensive forechecking line, a line that you feel comfortable throwing out there against maybe the top line for another team because you want to shut them down. You want to slow them down in some ways, as opposed to Gallant, where we saw a lot of him basically matching up his number one line with the other team's number one line. You often saw Mika Zabanajad's line get thrown out there against the top line for the opposing team. I think Laviolette will want more options than that, and I think it's very feasible and likely, it seems, at least at this early stage, that he is going to want a line that he feels like can just go out there and whether it's a Sidney Crosby or whoever it might be in that Metro division or elsewhere around the NHL, be a line that he feels like is going to limit the opportunities that that opposing top line gets. So we talked earlier about The kid line and will they break them up and could some of those guys be moving higher up in the lineup? I think the answer is going to be yes. And that what I think that's going to leave you for whatever you want to call it, third line, whatever, is going to be more of that matchup type of line. And internally, there certainly are some candidates that you can look at. I think Barclay Goudreau, assuming he's on the roster, we've talked about the trade and buyout possibility, but I don't think by any stretch that is a certainty. I think it's a possibility that will be explored, but I've told you before that it's nowhere near the Patrick Nemeth situation from last year where there was no spot for the guy and they wanted to get rid of him and they needed to do it to clear the cap space. The Rangers definitely need cap space, but I don't think that there's a big appetite to get rid of Goudreau. I think they'd like to ideally keep him around. The financial situation might dictate otherwise, but if he's here, then He would certainly be a guy that I think they would want to use in that type of a role. Jimmy Vesey could be thrown into that category as well. We've talked about the strides that he's made defensively in the last couple of years of his career. Might not have the skating chops that you would ideally want in that type of a role. Might be better suited on a fourth line, 
playing a little bit more limited minutes and then also being used on the PK. But he does give you another option there. I think Tyler Mott, if he's re-signed, would definitely fall into that category. And when you think about centers, obviously we've seen Goudreau can play center. But of the Rangers' top three centers, and I think they would want one of those guys on this type of a line, I think Vincent Trocek is more likely to be used in that kind of a role than Philip Hedl. I think he's better suited for it when you think about his skill set. Obviously, Hedl is a really strong skater, but I think Trocek is a better defensive player at this stage of his career. Trocek's also like almost 20 percentage points higher than Hedl when it comes to the faceoff win rate. And I definitely think in that type of a matchup line role, you're going to want a guy who's really good on faceoffs because you're going to be sticking them out for some defensive zone draws. And the last thing you're going to want is a guy who's going to lose that faceoff and put your team at an immediate disadvantage. So I think Trocek, his shiftiness, his defensive play, his pesky play, we've seen that he's a guy who isn't afraid to be an agitator who isn't afraid to mix it up and get under opponent's skin and play that gritty style that LaViolette has talked about. So I could definitely see Trocek fitting in in that type of a role. So that gives you some options there. Goudreau, VC, Trocek, Mott, maybe if he comes back. But I also think that Chris Jury is going to need to look at bolstering that mix and bringing in more of those types of players through either trades or or free agent signings. Now, on the free agent market, a hot name that a lot of Rangers fans have asked about, I think we've talked about on the podcast before, is Jesper Faust, who we're all very familiar with, and who would definitely be a really good fit if you were to have him in that type of a situation. But there's another one out there who really interests me, and I'm very curious to see if the Rangers pursue this option The salary cap restrictions are going to make it really difficult because this is a guy who I think could very well end up over $2 million per season. But he played for Peter Laviolette last season or the last couple seasons, and I think played the role really well, and that's Garnett Hathaway. He was traded to the Boston Bruins during the season last year. The Bruins really liked him as a complimentary piece to play that matchup sort of a role in their lineup. And Hathaway is a guy with the size, with the skating, with the defensive play, also chips in some timely offense, is not shy at all about whether it's physicality, whether it's getting into the the dirty areas and the net front and the slot and getting some of those greasy goals. Definitely not shy about dropping the gloves when the time comes for it. So Hathaway is a guy that would really interest me. Just when I look at this free agent market and I think about the types of players that I think the Rangers are trying to add. Again, the price is going to be a huge hurdle in a situation like that, whether it's Hathaway, whether it's Fost, or whether it's other some of these grinder type of guys who are in this free agent market in particular, I think, because the top end of this free agent class is pretty weak. There's not really a lot of surefire top six options or big time scores. So what I think that's going to result in is maybe some of those middling players, some of those guys who are probably best suited in a bottom six role, but are perceived as valuable in this type of a market. Their price tag, I think, is going to go up because there aren't too many guys above them who teams that are looking to spend are going to go after. So that might result in more of those 
guys who in a typically strong free agent market might fall more into the middle of the pack. Now maybe what we're going to see is those guys see their value bump up a little bit because the teams that have money to spend are going to be looking for players to spend it on. And so that might end up netting those guys a little higher average annual value than you would typically expect to see them get. So a guy like Hathaway, a guy like Fost, they might end up being out of the Rangers price range, but I think that bringing in a guy like that would certainly fit really well in not only Laviolette's system, but specifically in that type of a matchup role that you spoke about, Mr. Radio Spiel. So that's what comes to mind here. I definitely think the Rangers, whether they end up having to go for cheaper options, are going to add at least one or two guys into the mix who they feel like are, are suited for that type of a spot. And it's necessary for them, at least for the time being, while you're holding the fort until some of the prospects that they've drafted specifically to play that kind of a role. I'm thinking of Adam Sakura. I'm thinking of Brett Berard. Those guys definitely have that pesky, energetic, in-your-face kind of a style that they play with. And so those guys aren't quite ready. They're going to need at least part of this season to continue seasoning, maybe another full season of seasoning. I definitely think we could see those guys play for Hartford this season, but until they're fully ready, you're going to need to get some complimentary pieces in here. And that's where I think Chris Drury is going to be sifting through this market and trying to find a guy or two that he feels like would be useful. All right, let's get to our next question, which comes from Joe Albanese, who wrote, would you expect to see Kako on the first line come training camp this summer? Now, Joe, of course, this is going to be dictated by what the roster looks like. If the Rangers somehow are able to get creative and find a way to pull off a big trade, and I mentioned some of the names in my most recent story that it sounds like could be out there in the trade market, there are some pretty big name forwards and teams that seem like they're willing to at least discuss the possibility of trading some of those big name forwards, whether you're looking at Winnipeg or Calgary or Toronto or Philadelphia. There's a lot of teams that it sounds like are going to be hunting around for some trade possibilities. And the early things that I'm hearing right now are that a lot of people are expecting a pretty active trade market. So the Rangers, I think, would like to be in that mix. The question is all going to come down to the salary cap and what they can afford. We're anticipating they're not going to be able to make a really, really big splash. And if they don't, then I do very much expect to see Kako on the first line coming into training camp. I think it makes a lot of sense to play him with Kreider and Zabanajad. I'm very curious what the mix on that other line might look like. Panarin, for sure, you know, is going to be somewhere in the top six. Does Alexi Lafreniere get a chance in the top six? Does Philip Heedle get a chance in the top six? I've written about this before. I've spoken about this before. I'm intrigued by the possibility of playing Panarin with Heedle, whether Heedle's at center or whether Heedle is at wing. And we also just spoke about the possibility of playing Trocheck on that matchup type of line. So you could see certainly a path for Philip Heedle to maybe work his way into the top six or work his way into playing with Panarin one way 
or the other. So that would sort of be my rough idea, but we still don't know exactly where LaViolette is thinking on all these things. We did not have the time to talk to him about all these specific things today. That will, I'm sure, be one of the topics that comes up the next time that we get a chance to speak with him. I think they're going to want to let the dust settle as far as free agency and the key offseason moves that we know will be coming in the next few weeks. But, you know, he could end up wanting to see Panarin with Zabanajad. It's possible. We don't know. We know that Gallant was reluctant to do that. We know that David Quinn, for the most part, didn't really do that either. So I'm not necessarily expecting it, but you don't know with the new head coach coming in there. But yeah, right now, I think Kako for sure is going to be somewhere in the top six. And given the current depth chart, he's obviously number one, and you're going to expect to see him on the top line. So my gut at this point says for sure Kako in the top six. I think at least one of Lafreniere or Hedl in the top six as well, maybe both. And then I think you might end up seeing more of that shutdown defensive line built around a guy like Trocek with whether it's Gaudreau, VC, Mott, or some other guy that they bring in. That would be my initial read on what the lineup is going to look like. But again, it's hard to really set this stuff in stone or go too in-depth talking about this stuff right now because we're on the verge of what is going to be some roster movement in the coming weeks. Now, we're not expecting a ton of roster movement from the Rangers given the salary cap situation, but... We're definitely going to see some level of movement with them. And it's going to be a lot easier, I think, to answer some of these questions about what the lines might look like once we get into July. So I'm sure we'll have this conversation again sometime soon. All right, let's get to our final question, which comes from Jeffrey Brauner, who wrote, anything else you have heard on Pekka, meaning Michael Pekka, who our buddy Jeff Merrick reported the other day is expected to be on Peter Laviolette's staff as an assistant and any insight into who else he's looking at to round out the coaching staff. So let's start with Pekka. This was an interesting hire for the Rangers. Now, they didn't confirm this at the press conference on Tuesday. Peter Laviolette made it very clear that they're still rounding out the staff and they didn't want to announce anything yet, but it's widely expected that Pekka will be a member of that staff. An interesting choice. Had a pretty long NHL playing career, played for six different teams, including the Islanders while Laviolette was there. So you figure they have some type of existing relationship from their time together with the Islanders. Pekka was captain of that team, a well-respected player, and it seems like he has at least a decent enough relationship with LaViolette where he would like the idea of adding him to his staff. As a player, Pekka was known as a really good defensive forward. He's a two-time Selkie Award winner, really good on faceoffs. So the hope from the Rangers is that he's going to help their forwards improve in those areas. You heard LaViolette talk about defensive commitment and how important that's going to be to him and honing in on some of the the little things that it takes to help you win and the hustle and the battle and all that type of stuff. Pekka did all those things as a player. So you have to imagine that he is going to work with a lot of the forwards to get them to becoming stronger two-way players. 
Again, really good guy on faceoffs. That's an area where pretty much everybody except for Trocek has struggled for the Rangers. So you're going to hope that he can do some positive work with them on the dots and get them all to be better in that area as well. He spent many years, I believe he started in 2010 or 11, with the Washington Capitals as a development coach. So he's got a track record of helping to develop young players. So I know there's also some hope that he will help with not only the young players who are on the roster now, but some of the guys who are incoming, like an Othman, like a Cooley. And I think what's really, really important here is the concern, at least from the outside, and we definitely heard this concern from some fans when it came to hiring LaViolette, is he's been around the block so many times. He's an old school guy. How is he going to connect with some of the younger players? Well, Bringing in the guy like Pekka gives you an assistant coach who you feel like can relate to young players. This is a guy who played in the league for a long time, who earned a lot of respect as a guy who played the game the right way and played the game really hard. And the hope is that he can be a guy who's in the ear of not only the young players, but also some of the older players as well. This is a guy who's in his late 40s, so he's not super, super young. But again, played the game before, worked as a development coach, and I know there has to be at least some hope that he can relate to some of the current players on the team and be sort of a bridge between the old school disciplinary and the guy who's going to push the team really hard in La Violette. And now you've got an assistant coach in the middle who can sort of speak the player's language and, and be a guy who definitely connects with them on that level as well. Now, as for the rest of the staff, as I said, La Violette said they're still hammering that out. I haven't heard definitively that they've made any other hires. I have heard that Benoit Allaire, the goalie coach, and Mark Chaccio, the skills coach from the previous multiple staffs, those two guys have been around for quite a while, they are still with the team. Now, that's possible that could change at some point this summer, but when I checked in on it a week ago, they were still with the team, and it sounded like they would remain on Laviolette's staff. The rest of Gerard Gallant's staff from his time here, Mike Kelly, Gord Murphy, and Jim Midgley, those guys have all been let go. So you figure they have three spots to fill. Pekka will be one of them. There's definitely a lot of speculation around Kevin McCarthy. That's a name to remember. He, much like Mike Kelly with Gerard Gallant, has pretty much been everywhere that Peter Laviolette has been. That's kind of been his right-hand man. So you have to figure there's at least a decent chance that McCarthy could end up joining Laviolette's staff. But I do also wonder this. I talked a little bit about Pekka being a guy that they hope can relate to some of the younger players, create a little bit of a newer and fresher and younger voice on that coaching staff. I do think that it's a goal for the Rangers to have some fresher ideas on this coaching staff and maybe not want Laviolette to bring everybody that's been with him in the past along for this ride. I do think they would like the coaching staff to get a little bit younger. So does Pekka alone satisfy that requirement or are they going to look to do that in other areas as well? That's something that's going to be interesting to monitor. But as of right now, I think the only guy who's locked in besides Alaire and Chachio is Pekka. So I think that leaves them with basically two spots to fill. You figure some kind of coach that will work with the defenseman and then maybe some kind of coach who 
Midgley's role was a little more loose. Like Murphy, I know, worked with the defense and Kelly worked with the forwards. Midgley was kind of a do-it-all kind of guy. I know that he would do a lot of tracking and, and data stuff for them in games. Sometimes he would be on the bench. Sometimes he would be up in the press box. Kind of a, a, a roving role, a little bit of a do-it-all guy for them. So maybe they want to hire another guy who, who brings that stuff as well. Maybe a guy who has a little more of an analytics background. I think that's certainly possible, but... We don't have any answers right now as far as who's locked into the coaching staff. So stay tuned. Obviously, as soon as I hear anything, I will let you guys know. All right. And with that, we are going to end this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. This worked out well. This episode is going to be coming out Wednesday morning, a day early this week, because as I mentioned earlier, I'm leaving for my bachelor party on Wednesday, going to be out of the country. So I'm going to be off the map. If anything happens in the next few days, I'm sorry to tell you guys, I'm not going to be doing much work. I'm not even planning on bringing my laptop with me, which is going to feel weird, but I think it's a necessity for me to enjoy this trip to the fullest and enjoy my time with my friends, a dozen of my best friends. We're all going to be going and having a great time, a lot of beach time, a lot of time probably out and about, eating some good food, having some good drinks, all that kind of stuff. So I hope to make it back to you guys in one piece. I will be back next week with a new podcast that's going to be a lot of time devoted to looking ahead to the NHL draft, which is coming up on June 28th. So coming very quickly here, I plan on having a guest next week who's going to help us preview that. I want to once again thank everybody who participated in our selection process for the intro track, whether you submitted a track, whether you voted for the track, whether you just listened and bobbed your head and enjoyed listening to the new tracks. I appreciate all of you. And once again, a huge, huge congratulations to James McCaffrey. Thank you so much, James. Definitely look forward to seeing you soon. And with that, I'm going to get you guys out with James's track. You'll hear it one more time, and then you'll hear it again next week, and I'll be back next week, and we'll have another episode for you guys. So take care. I'll talk to you when I get home.